This is Dove Tuzman. You're on equal footing. Back in studio the last couple of weeks and excited to get into one of these personal topics. Hard to talk about on the air. Moving away from the discussions the last few weeks on the Jewish diaspora and play in the Arab world, in South America. Getting back into psychological and emotional health. And this week we're talking about families and we're talking about family estrangement in particular. Many of us live in families where there are rifts, folks that haven't talked to each other in years, sometimes in decades. We all know of families where people have disowned, parents disowning children. Children, now this is a popular turn of phrase, canceling their parents. Maybe there's disagreements over lifestyle choices, relationship structures, religious beliefs, even political beliefs. This issue of family estrangement is increasingly getting attention in the psychological community and in the ministerial community with relationship rabbis and reverends, therapists focusing on an issue that can cause tremendous pain. Give you a couple of stats to kick us off and then I'm going to introduce our guests. Why should you care about family estrangement? Maybe it's not, in, maybe you don't experience this in your own family. Maybe everybody's in a state of familial bliss and harmony. I doubt it. But if so, care about it from a social perspective. Because a Cornell University study recently showed that one in four adults consider themselves estranged, completely cut off from their families. A Princeton University study from 2014 said that four out of ten adults in the United States lack strong parental attachment, i.e. don't feel as attached or loved as they need to by their own parents to be able to pass on that love in a healthy way to their own children. Numerous studies have shown, the most recent being from the American Psychological Association, that if you have a family rift with a parent, with a sibling, with a child, it's more harmful to your physical and psychological health than if you have a rift in your marriage. It has tremendous mental health consequences. A significant number of suicides are related to feeling at sea, separated from one's family and without that support system. We have two wonderful and brave guests tonight on Equal Footing talking about family estrangement. And is it possible to bury the hatchet around what are often family feuds. Joined by Limor Weinstein. Limor is here in New York. She's not in studio, unfortunately. Hopefully we'll get her for the next show here in studio in Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn. Limor is a licensed psychotherapist. She specializes, amongst other things, in family estrangement issues. She also has a, especially working with teens, and we'll get into that on the program. Limor received her master's in clinical psychology from Columbia University, has a second master's degree in mental health counseling from CUNY. She's also obtained advanced training in cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, and motivational interviews, other modalities to help individuals overcome psychological disorders. Through her own 
personal lived experience and her professional background, Limor developed a particular method called the Karma Method, K-A-R-M-A, which is a structured five-step program that serves as a signature coaching method uh, to deal with some of these mental health challenges. As a mother of three, a wife, and a psychotherapist, Limor has dedicated her life to helping others navigate their way through personal challenges and behaviors that inhibit their own happiness and harmony in their own lives. She has 20 years of experience in child care, and that's fueled her desire to promote healthy and collaborative care for individuals and families. She's currently finishing her doctorate and publishing a memoir. I can't wait, Limor, to pick up your memoir of her life and the development of her karma method over the last 10 years. Limor, welcome to Equal Footing. For having me. <laughs> Delighted to have you, and and we're joined in London by our other guests and really appreciate Rabbi Stephen Bars being willing to do this after midnight his time. Rabbi Bars is a marriage and family counselor. He's spoken all over the world, including from the floor of the United States Senate, as well as at the Los Angeles Improv. How many guests, how many people in the world have spoken at the U.S. Senate and at the Improv in L.A.? I love it. Rabbi Bars is a regular speaker at the Fortune Magazine Summits. He's the author of many best-selling books, including Bliss, the Marriage and Parenting Book, and I love this, The Worst Marriage Advice in the World. We've picked that up. Uh, Rabbi Bars is also the creator of a highly popular motivational seminar called Think Like a Winner. Rabbi Bars and his wife, Ruth, have seven children. He's known for imparting important ideas of creativity and humor. I'm sure you're going to hear a little bit on that on, on that on this program. And you should check out Rabbi Bars' websites, including getbliss.com, that's G-E-T-B-L-I-S-L-B-L-I-S-S.com, and also core9.live, that's core, C-O-R-E, the number 9.live. Rabbi Bars also has a popular YouTube channel where he regularly uploads contents from counseling videos to parenting tips, motivational videos, etc. Rabbi Bars, welcome from overseas. I think you're in Manchester right now, if I'm not mistaken. Manchester, yeah. I think the people in Manchester will be insulted that you said it was London. So there's a bit of a feud going on, going on in England. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> well, I, I lived in the UK for about a year, and I do I do have some sensitivity to that. I'm, I'm sorry, but you live in London normally, right? You're visiting family in Manchester? I'm, vi- I'm visiting my family in Manchester. Actually, I live in Washington, D.C. I see. So I'm a bit, a bit international, but I speak in Los Angeles. I've spoken in D.C., Yes, well, I'm all over the place. I hope I hope you've got no no family estrangement going on 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 that side of the of the pond. Let's, yeah. let's start by defining that, uh, Limor. Uh, for listeners' um, understandings, we should use the same like, vocabulary. I, I bet you a lot of listeners, especially Jewish listeners, because sometimes I feel like this is uh, unfortunately more germane to our background. We've got three Jews in the program. Hey, listeners, this this program in general, this is not just a Jewish program. So, uh, what you know, we bring our personal point of view, and tonight we have three Jews talking about the issue. So we're probably going to bring it, look at it through a Jewish prism to some degree, uh, hopefully relevant for, for, for everybody. But, Limor, on this vocabulary, we've heard of, you know, disownment, um, kind of cancel culture. What is, what is family estrangement? What does that include? What's the definition? Well, it, inclu- it can include various things, you know, where families disagree on different topics, such as money or sometimes they're abusive parenting or harsh parenting. Uh, sometimes divorce can cause estrangement. 
uh, as well as values, lifestyle, religion. There are various reasons that, you know, families can become estranged from each other. But does it count as, for the sake of what we're talking about tonight, does it count as estrangement when you just, you're having an argument in the family? I mean, this stuff happens every day. When does, when does it become kind of, I guess, from a pathological definition, when does it become estrangement in a way that can really impact one's mental health? I think when it takes, you know, when it takes a long time and people keep trying and nothing is helping and the decision is to just kind of basically give up and nobody has any contact for a long period of time and there are psychological effects on both parties, and it, there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of distress when it comes to family estrangement. So, unfortunately, people are not talking about it, uh, which is why I'm so happy that you are bringing this up and, you know, people can hopefully come forward and be open and honest about their own challenges and family situations so that there's less shame and negativity associated with it. Let me get this off my chest to start the program because I'm just going to dive into the deep end of the pool uh, and, and open up about it. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is I've been estranged from my mother or my mother has been estranged from me for many years. We hardly speak. Uh, I carry a lot of shame about it because I think if I bring it up, someone might think, oh, what kind of son are you that your mother doesn't want to talk to you? I often feel unloved. Um, the, the roots of it are complex and go back decades. I, it's hard for me to even know sometimes exactly how it began, even why it continues. And, uh, so it's, I can tell you it's an, it's a, it's a dark, um, it's a dark part of my life. It's a, it's, it's something that I don't tell many people. Oh, here I am saying it on the air. Hopefully that's cathartic. Um, Rabbi, how common is this? Uh, you know, if you, if you thought about your general, um, I guess, ministerial audience, you know, congregations you may work with or, you know, individuals in your practice, you know, how, how common is it for people to, to have this distance that Lee Moore talks about, kind of the silent treatment or where there's difficulty over many years even communicating within families? Well, I, I think we could put it this way. If you counted all the people in the world, that don't have resentments, you could probably fit them in a phone booth. <laughs> Human beings are born, uh, we're resentful, we're resentments looking for a victim. The Bible talks about this, it starts with blame, it ends with blame. We are, we're on a roll. And uh, as I said, Rabbi Braveman, he says the reason why most abuse occurs in the home is just because it's convenient. And that's why we resent it's because it's not necessarily the person. It's just we're looking for someone to blame for whatever issues going on in their lives. So, yes, it's very, very common. It's It hurts my heart to hear that it's as common because it's it's literally one of the most painful and intractable, intractable problems in, in my life. Uh, Limor, this type of distance, I, I literally talk to my mother, I would say a total of maybe, you know, an hour a year at this point, total airtime. And that's on a, that's on a good year. Uh, is it that prevalent? And, and is it, is it something that's become more prevalent? And 
is it more prevalent in in a particular direction parent to child child to parent what what's what's going on are we is this a problem that's always been around or are we becoming more cognizant of it or has it gotten worse in in recent generations i think from what i'm seeing at least it is more prevalent and more from children to parents and you know the family estrangement really occurs when you know at least one member one family member hasn't been you know kind of keeps the distance with intention. Uh, so if the child or the parent keeps away from, you know, the other person, then, you know, that's when the problem becomes, you know, even more difficult and challenging. Um, but I'm so happy that, again, you were bringing it up and you were talking about it and how difficult it is. And, you know, the question is for you, I mean, would you want to contact her more often, right? What would you want? Yeah, I think you get to a point. I'm not sure if other listeners feel this, and I'm going to invite folks to participate in this conversation and ask psychotherapist and thought leader Limor Weinstein and Rabbi Stephen Bars about this difficult area of life, this realm of family estrangement, the silent treatment, separation, disowning of family members. I think it comes to a point, Limor, after so many years where I don't even know whether I want to talk to her. <laughs> like uh, certain days I do, and then other days I, I just I, I've compartmentalized it as 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 something that just exists in my life and will never change. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure at some point though, um, people in order to live a healthy life mentally and psychologically do have to address it. Or or can you do what I'm doing, Limor, and and compartmentalize it and just say, okay, I write off that relationship. I don't have a relationship with my mother. Is that a, is that a successful life strategy? Well, I think it depends. I mean, you want to be able to to know that you have done and you have tried, you know, whatever it is to make that relationship work. Now, sometimes there are some real things like physical abuse or sexual abuse or serious things that, you know, can create that distance and people just make decisions not to be in touch with the person who was hurting them. And, and that's absolutely okay. Uh, then I think you will then use the scale of like acceptance, right? Accepting that this is the situation and I don't maybe want to do anything about it. So I think whatever you or anyone decides to do, uh, you, you then need to just kind of learn to retell yourself the story, which is, you know, a part of this cognitive behavior therapy skill or accept certain things that are just happening and just so that you are getting into a healthier place between you and yourself. I'm here with Rabbi Stephen Bars and Limor Weinstein, a licensed psychotherapist, and we're talking about family estrangement. And I'm going to depersonalize a little bit. I opened up there at the beginning about my own situation, why I want to do this show. But before we go to our first break, Rabbi Bars, uh, tell us just so we, so people can kind of connect if they're listening in, what are, in your view, we heard a little bit about this from Limore, what are the top uh, four or five reasons that that families become, members of families become estranged from one another? And then we'll give out the number and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back to this over the break. Uh, that's a fantastic question. People become resentful over the most, the most silliest things. You know, you were asking before, is it a a more recent phenomena, and I suggest that the end of the Cold War created a lot of resentment. That was a turning point. 
in the world because human beings need someone to blame. And Stalin was a perfect figure for that. So when you don't have, like in Israel, you know, Hamas and uh, ISIS and, you know, players like Hezbollah, they create a perfect outlet to blame, to blame all your issues on. And when you get, when you create peace and there's no, there isn't this external figure, again, we're all, we're, we're beings looking for someone to blame. So when you don't have that, it can be just about anything. Uh, I grew up in a time when there were lots of victims of the Holocaust and the Second World War growing up in London, walking the streets. And you'd think today, you don't, you know, people growing up, they don't have any of those kind of issues. My father talks about, you know, being bombed in London, and my kids don't know any of that. But nevertheless, the resentments are just as strong to issues that are seemingly so small. So it can be just about anything. It, it, it comes from a, a, a lack of wanting to live in personal peace. When you have resentments, you suffer. Your King David asked this question. What is the worst suffering you can inflict on another, another human being? And he said it's to make, it's to make them resentful of you. Mm-hmm. And if you achieve that, they're going to suffer tremendously. You see that in Israel, that the Arabs, um, from 1948 to the present day, have exhibited far greater resentment than they did 60, 70 years ago, because Israel in that time frame has become more successful, and therefore has increased the greater resentment. You didn't have suicide bombers in 1948. Uh, resentment is, Why you is have it today? In, incredibly corrosive, like like jealousy. You end up as it's, you, you, you end up right. as the victim of 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 it yourself. We're going to come back after the break yeah. to Rabbi Stephen Bars and Lemore Weinstein, uh, psychotherapists and specialists, both of them in family counseling and uh, bearing the hatchet, healing family estrangement. Participate in the conversation. We've already got a couple of folks that know for the number from the past that have shared some personal stories. I appreciate that. You can call in and ask a question to Rabbi Bars. Uh, or Lemar Weinstein at 91, uh, well, if you want to call in directly, 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. If you want to text, if you're shy about being on the air and you want to text in a comment or a question, you can do so through SMS or WhatsApp by writing 917-428-4062. Again, that's for written uh, questions and comments, 917-428-4062. 4062. We'll be right that right back talking about family estrangement. Equal Footing is brought to you in part by DocuVax. You've heard about DocuVax before. Briefly, DocuVax is a medical records system. It makes managing your or your family's medical records much easier. You can download the DocuVax app on your iPhone or your Android device in the App Store at D-O-C-U-V-A-X. That's DocuVax. Doesn't just cover vaccines. We'll get to that in a minute. You can also go to docuvax.com and sign up there. For as little as $6.99 per month, you have a HIPAA compliant, safe and secured, easy to use medical locker where you can store information around 
vaccines and immunizations, but also blood tests and other like x-ray and MRI results, uh, allergy information, etc. Have all that information in one place and you get, and this is the best part, you get doctors and nurses that are on call for you 365 days a year, seven, uh, 24 hours a day to validate your medical records, give you a uh, inexpensive, or really free, other than your monthly six ninety nine fee, reference to a specialist, whatever. It saves you money. It makes managing your medical file easy, easier. Put an end to worrying about when you need to get your next vaccine or you get your next preventative screening, like a breast cancer screening or a colorectal exam. Sign up for DocuVax. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X. And if you're interested as a small business owner in giving DocuVax as a perk to your employees, like you would a gym membership, to help them manage their medical file and ultimately keeps insurance costs down for them as well, you can get group discounts. If you mention that you heard about DocuVax on Equal Footing, for those group discounts, you got to call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. Get DocuVax. Put an end to worrying. If you or someone you care about is up to date on a particular vaccine, blood test, or important preventative screening, take control of your medical file. Sign up. DocuVax. I've been caught. You're back on equal footing and we're talking about family estrangement, ideally healing family estrangement. Uh, Limor, you've been pretty open, at least in the pregame discussions. I'm sorry to put you on the spot of what personally brought you to this field. Do you want to uh, help us understand a little bit about your personal journey? Right. So I came from a very challenging family situation with a verbally abusing father, and um, I had to leave home when I was 12. So I experienced, uh, you know, eating disorders and a lot of anxiety and depression since I was 13 or probably even 12. And then I became anorexic and then bulimic for 10 years until I was 24, and which is why I'm very passionate about what I'm doing and I love helping people and, you know, help heal, heal, uh, in different ways. What brought you to work around this issue with teenagers in specific? And is, is family estrangement feeling, um, separated from your parents or judged or in extreme cases disowned? Um, is that does that create particular risks uh, for teenagers that's 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 different uh, later in life? Yes, I mean I think teenagers. I mean, first of all, working with them is very challenging. I mean, I, th- I think somebody needs whoever is working with a teenager needs to have the right attitude, the right you know skills, even to to help and guide them. And for teens who are experiencing family estrangement, it is extremely challenging because they are still developing. They're still, they're in a very vulnerable place where they are, their identity is not formed. So, you know, anything that is happening that is creating, you know, uncomfortable feelings that creates a much stronger effect. 
I want to talk a little bit about that parent-child relationship through a uh, religious prism for a moment. Uh, Rabbi Bars, let's start with you. I think it was difficult in doing the research for this show to get kind of the religious or at least the, the Jewish textual guidance on this issue because you end up getting stuck in the law of the disrespectful son and daughter uh, rabbit hole. Um, you know, the, that you, we, we know from the, the, the Torah that, you know, um, quote, if a man has a wayward and defiant son who does not heed his father or mother and does not obey them even after being disciplined, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the town at the public places of his community, uh, dot, dot, dot. Thereupon the men of this town shall stone him to death. Uh, I mean, this is this is pretty intense stuff. Okay, I mean, obviously we don't te- take that textually, but there are a lot of of sacred text references to the, around the concept of obeying our parents, um, and it doesn't seem, at least on the face of it, Rabbi, that there's a lot of room for maneuver when, um, as a child, your parents are uh, at an extreme abusing you. Um, or you, you, you're being, you're being judged and you feel like you need to create separation. So if you're trying to live, I don't know how to put this, maybe an upright life as an observant Jew, for example, and I'm sure this applies to some degree, um, in, in varying degrees to, to folks of, of all faiths. How do you navigate around as a child this potential disobedience of the kind of law of the disrespectful son and daughter? You mean when when a when a parent's overstepping their boundary? Is that what you mean? I mean, from a child's perspective, uh, you know, when you're looking for spiritual guidance, you get so much, uh, you're getting, you know, metaphorically beat on the head by the fact that you know you really shouldn't do anything but obey your parents. Um, but of course, you know, parents aren't always emotionally healthy, and sometimes are emotionally, even physically abusive to to, to children. So, h- how do you how do you navigate this uh, from a from a spiritual perspective, kind of? Separating. Yes, that's a great question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is going to sound incredibly insensitive, so uh, um, uh, please forgive me ahead of time. But everybody is living in a, an abused home. It's just a question of, of degree. So what, what do I mean by that? So if you have a parent who is dysfunctional to varying degrees, and what I mean by that is they're not happy, they're not fulfilled, they're not enjoying life, they're not open-minded, they're resentful, and um, you know having a you know they're a very difficult time. So they're going to be treating the child in ways that they can't see who that person is. You don't see people. You don't see people as people. And so you're going to abuse that child. Nothing as bad as what no one's going through. But nevertheless, for that child's reality, from where they're coming from, they're going to feel it that way. So we're all coming from dysfunctional homes. We're all being abused. We we don't live in a world where we feel like our needs are being met. Harville Hendricks talks about this, uh, the the creative imago therapy. Um, I, it's very interesting. I met him, and he, he was talk, He gave this great talk about this idea that we're all living, um, we're all carrying out the resentments of our ch- childhood into other relationships, the needs that you weren't being met. And we, if you, you think back into your, everyone's childhood, has that moment where you you realize your parents don't get you, and that's the moment where you 
can create the resentment or you deal with it in a healthy way. But that's that, that crucible point. And we live in a world which is a lot of victim mentalities going on, and it feels good to feel like a victim. And that's where it all starts. And it's very unhealthy. It starts out feeling good, but it's like crack cocaine. Ooh, this, you, Rabbi, this you is start, a, you know, this is a, this is tough. I appreciate <laughs> you. I, listen, I appreciate your boldness in in in, in putting it that way. Yeah. But I, I but I think that um, Lee Moore. I mean, you 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 work with obviously a lot of a lot of Jewish clients. You're connected to the Chabad community, etc. But you're not. I mean, I don't think you're on this show as a religious expert. But what's your view on what the the Rabbi just said? This kind of sense of I'm putting this in a very stylized way, but our our uh, kind of victim consciousness right now as a culture. Am I making too much of doing this this show? Should we just kind of buck up and deal? Well, do you want me to pay attention specifically to to what he was saying about most families are dysfunctional in a way? Yes, and the and the comment around kind of the um, uh, the the I'm trying to search for the right word, and and our kind of falling into a, a, a victim consciousness. Hmm. Well, it's definitely interesting, you know, and it's an interesting point of view. Um, I I really don't have a lot to say about that. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I I mean, from my perspective, uh, it's it's hard to hear because I think that. Um, we, we are, we do have very significant generational difference. I mean, listen, in the study for this, in the, in the research for this show, Rabbi, I was astounded by the degree of estrangement. Like I said at the outset, studies from Princeton University, Cornell, the American Psychological Association that show anywhere from one in four adults literally not being in a communication, um, with their, with their, with their parents being totally, uh, estranged. Uh, four out of ten American adults, um, having um, poor familial and parental attachment styles um, to, to to parents. It doesn't feel like this is just about overcoming victim consciousness. The the, the numbers bear out um, that we have a mental health crisis in this regard. Yeah, no, it's exactly exactly that. The victim is just the other side of the coin. When you have been abused, you feel like a victim. It creates this uh, triangle that psychiatrists talk about, where. I, I have a villain. A, a villain creates a victim, and a vi- victim looks for hero. And where that kind of triangulation creates all kinds of dysfunctional relationships, because you, uh, you know, it's in the media at the moment. That's Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. They both came from. Oh, definitely Johnny Depp came from a dysfunctional home. And he was a victim, and he created a relationship where he looked, he looked for a hero, and it's it, uh, and for sure Amber Heard doing the same thing, and heroes were always let you, you know, despite what they say in Marvel comics, heroes were always let you down. There's this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we just, we have to be. Here, I appreciate you saying that the 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 depth trial is an interesting. It, it, in a certain way, was part of the genesis of the show in the sense that both, if if you're paying attention to that trial, both parties, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, are talking a lot about their parental attachment styles and how it's bled into their into their lives. I want to read um, at least one listener comment before we get to our next break because it's apropos 
to this. And this is coming from a listener who um, has taken a more religious path in her life. She's asked her name not to be mentioned on air, uh, so I won't do that. Um, who's taken a more religious path and, and her parents uh, are not necessarily on the same page about that. There may be part of the issue here, but let me just read it textually. Um, having a dis- difficult relationship with a parent has been directly linked to my interpersonal relationships. What I ran from, I found I encountered in my personal relationships, i.e. not having a voice, not being seen, not being the syndrome of not feeling good enough. And this has repeated itself until I've had to heal from the inside out, specifically through the process of confronting and facing my mother. So, Limor, before we go to the break, I, I, um, I want to acknowledge this listener's experience. It comports with a couple of other notes I've gotten here about how these estrangements, these feelings of disconnection, of getting the silent treatment or being judged or whatever, canceled by our parents, then bleed into the next generation and bleed into the way that we interact. We're looking at this and the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial as well as the way we way we act in our marriages, the way we act in our other areas of attachment. Can you speak to this kind of a, a, a attachment um, style impact that can occur uh, from that parental relationship over time? Yes, no, and I think uh, the rabbi was right about, like, you know, the individual, the child feeling like he's the victim and telling themselves a story that whether it is true or not, that particular child is having an experience where he's feeling neglected or he's feeling abused or he's feeling like he's not important. And then he ends up carrying this into the next relationship where, is going to reenact or recreate a similar relationship to the one that he grew up in. I mean, this might be very deep and psychological, but I think unless the individual is doing work and learning to identify what it is that he's telling themselves and the story and how his parents affected him, he will end up carrying that relationship to the next generation. Absolutely. Uh, so. and, and, and it's important. That's why we wanted to have a therapist and a rabbi on the line. Reach out if you're dealing with this type of issue with your parents, with your siblings, with your child. Estrangement is unhealthy. It has physical impact. It has emotional impact. After the break, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some, we'll at least talk about one study that, that's shown that. Uh, and, and you've got to reach out to the support network you've got, whether it be a rabbi or a minister or a therapist or people that help you work this through. And to that last uh, listener that wrote, again, it, it, at the end, she said she's had she's worked this through by confronting and facing the issues with her mom. And I hope that's happened in a therapeutic set, setting that's been successful um, for, for her. So uh, reach out and get the help. We're talking about family estrangement. We're talking about the healing specifically that can occur. Can you bury the hatchet? Can you move on? Can you heal uh, from these uh, gulfs, can you build bridges? We'll be right back. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. 
So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on too. I've been told, but I'm keeping on, Hi, you're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tusman, and we're talking about family estrangement and healing from family estrangement with uh, Limor Weinstein, who's a licensed psychotherapist specializing in this area, uh, and Rabbi Stephen Bars, who's on line with us from Manchester, England. Rabbi Bars and and Limor, I I want to mention. I'm going to probably butcher this. You know, you guys are the experts, so correct me if I've gotten this wrong. People need to hear about the still face experiment. If you're, we talked about the silent treatment earlier in the program, and Limor, I love the way you helped listeners understand what family estrangement is, and and, and it's when you have these long periods of silence, you can't communicate, you can't break through that. We all know, most of us at least would know, either as a parent or as a a child, of what it feels like to get the silent treatment. Well, there's been a number of psychological studies that try to trace this um, from a physical and mental health perspective all the way to infancy. And the still face experiment is one where if if a mother or a father but is, is a, a parent is is playing with a baby and interacting with them and smiling at them and doing that for say a couple minutes and then that parent turns away and then looks back but is now ignoring the baby like there's no there's no reaction on the on the face not yelling at the baby not. Uh, you know, gesticulating in, in a violent way, just still face. That's why they call it the still face experiment. The reactions of the baby after even as little as a minute or two are dramatic. They start by making movements and sounds trying to get attention. Then they'll point and do everything they possibly can depending on their developmental stage and then become confused and start to uh, scream and cry. In fact, it's the, it's one of the quickest ways to get a baby into it, into an altered, uh, terrible emotional state. And then they even lose postural control, bowel control. <laughs> you have ho- horrible consequences. And there are a number of these studies that have basically shown that the silent treatment, the still face, so to speak, and you kind of got to this earlier in a certain way, Rabbi Bars, you're talking about resentment is an incredibly painful, um, uh, and detrimental aspect when it comes to interpersonal relationship in the family. We need reaction, even if it is negative reaction. That's engagement. Punishment is still engagement. Anger is still engagement. Recrimination is still engagement. Expression of frustration is still engagement. But that's silent treatment. That's you. I, I'm done with you. You're disowned. You are nothing to me. Do not speak to me. Don't visit me. These types of things are about as scarring as they can be to our inner and outer selves. Limar, did I get that right? I mean, I'm obviously an amateur here, but I was so moved by some of this uh, work and researching for the show that I felt it was important to, to share. Is 
is it as damages, damaging as I'm talking about developmentally? Yes, I mean, I think that really shows us how vulnerable we are, you know, to the emotional or non-emotional reaction, right, of people around us and the power of connection. And when this doesn't exist, that creates psychological damage and physical damage sometimes just from having the lack of, you know, uh, emotional uh, expression from the other person. So, Rabbi, if you look at uh, this, the, effect, the effects we now know, the Still Face Experiment, by the way, if listeners are interested, look it up. On You can just go to your browser and look up Still Face Experiment. It was done originally by Edward uh, Tronick, a doctor at UMass Boston in the 1970s. This has a tremendous amount of academic research around it. it if you're in that still face dynamic in a, in a family. There's silent treatment going on. Someone's been disowned, maybe for religious reasons. One or the other party is not as religious uh, or has gone off the derrick or, or maybe he's even more religious than, than one party would like. Or it's maybe it often happens with a lifestyle. And by the way, there's a lot of breathing on the line. So just remember, <laughs> if you're not talking to have it on mute, guys. Um, the just or it can happen around uh, children, for example, picking an alternative lifestyle like uh, same-sex relationships or, or or marriage. Or it can happen around disappointment, around drug abuse or other forms of addiction. Wherever the whatever the root cause is, Rabbi, in your experience, what breaks through? What's the solution to ending the silent treatment? You know, it's a great question. Uh, can I, do you mind if I tell you a story that really had a, a big impact on me? Please. I was I was teaching. Uh, this was about thirty years ago in Los Angeles, and uh, I had a student there named Bernie, and he was in his sixties then. And I was t- talking to him about an idea that King Solomon wrote about in Mishlei Proverbs, that Eli Wiesel rephrased. Very cleverly, he said, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Yes. And Bernie turned to me and he said, now I understand something I said to my mother 50 years ago. For 50 years, Bernie's been carrying this. I said, what did you say? He says, well, I was playing with my friend Johnny in Johnny's backyard. And Johnny's mother comes out. We're in the backyard playing in the sandbox. And Johnny's mother comes out and said... Danny, time for dinner. Come in now. And Danny turns to me and he said, three. That's all he said, three. I didn't know what he was talking about, what he meant, but it wasn't my mother, so he kept on playing. A few minutes later, Danny's mother comes out again. Danny, I told you once, and now she's really upset. If you don't come in now, you're not getting any dinner. Danny turns to me and says, that's true. Keep playing. A few minutes later, Danny's mother, we know the routine, Danny's mother comes out again, and now steam's coming out of her ears, and she's screaming, and she says, if you don't get in right now, you're getting a spanking, you're going to bed, and you're not getting any dinner. And Danny turns to me and said, that's three, I've got to go. Right? Kids know their parents. But anyway, Bernie goes home, he walks in the back door of his, kid, of his house, and he sees his mother making dinner. And he said this line to her for 50 years, he didn't understand what he meant. He says, Ma, how come you never yell at me? <laughs> and, yeah, and his, he didn't understand. Yeah, why? Why would he say such a thing? Right. And what he was saying is, why? Why don't you care? Mm-hmm. 
No, I, can, we I can tell you as being as 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 worked through in our family the silent treatment across generations, and unfortunately, this stuff becomes epigenetic. I mean, my grandparents, in blessed memory, disowned my mother for a long period of time, didn't speak to her. To some degree, that's happened with my own mother for some period. Of time. It's like these, unfortunately, these things go generation to generation. I know from that experience, it's like sometimes you just want to say like, call and yell at me, like you're saying. I feel like. Yeah, tell me why you're mad. Express what's in your heart. And, and I want to go to, to the, to this point, Limor, the, the, the listener, um, before that I talked about before the break who had shared the, about the, the need to kind of process and confront the relationship with her own mother to, to, to heal, uh, heal these, these patterns shared something else that I think is interesting to, to, to hear on air and we'll segue to a question I have for you, Limor. And she shared, she wanted to share that, um, her mother eventually through this process did get help and, 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 uh, was placed on the anti-anxiety medication Lexapro. And it's actually been a world of difference. This is in the words of this listener. Um, she says, uh, my mother sees and hears me in a kinder way now. I don't necessarily need it anymore because I've worked through some of this stuff, but it's nice to have her love in a way that now that I can recognize. And in that case, obviously, there was some, there was therapeutic intervention. Um, Limor, I, some, sometimes that's not possible. I mean, in the case of my mother, for example, I've on a couple occasions, uh, tried to have us go to therapy together. One, in fact, where we made an appointment and I drove several hours to get there and she didn't show up. And so it's, it, you can't force someone to t- sit down and talk to a rabbi or to go to a psychotherapist. What do you do if you're in an estranged family situation and you, are reaching out to try to heal with that other family member or family members and there's no response. What do you do to heal the issue if it's, if there's no one else on the other side of the table? Can you still go to a therapist and deal with it? What are the tools at that point to, to heal that pain? Yeah, that is a very great, that is a very good question. And it does take two people to heal a relationship. And if you find that you're trying to heal the relationship and the other person is not responsive and you've tried whatever you could, then you have to then do the work with yourself in therapy, which means that you have to kind of, you know, have the awareness of what is, you know, what is happening. How is it affecting me? Um, you know, what can I do about it? What is the story again that I'm telling myself? And and really kind of delve in and process a lot of, you know, the, you know, the difficult thoughts and feelings that you're experiencing with a professional who can help you and guide you and, you know, help you with the communication with yourself at first before you even, you know, try to communicate with anybody else. Can you make, can you make lemonade out of lemons? I mean, sometimes I feel like I deserve the criticism I I occasionally get on this show of, of kind of being too Pollyannish, being, I guess, looking too much on the bright side of things. But I try to do that in life, having gone through my share of, of crap. And one of them is, is around channeling the pain into something productive, whether it be professional or artistic or even in fodder for emotional engagement and openness in another relationship. And it, I thought of this, more in doing the research for the show, one of the things we do is we pick the music and we always try to pick music that's relevant to the subject matter. And this was an easy task in this case from Cat Stevens to uh, Pearl Jam to uh, Madonna to Tracy Chapman to Pink and so forth. There's so to Eminem. Some of these we've played on the air already in the show. There's so many artists that have um, not only 
touched on the issue of estrangement from their parents or their family or their children even um, through their art, but some of them have attributed it as the core creative inspiration for their art. And of course, we all know that art to some extent, to some extent is like a wound that's, um, that, that's expressed through, through, through light or beauty. So what, is there a way you can take this type of experience in your life and say, okay, I'm living with this. This is a wound. I can't heal it if the other person's not willing to be at the table. And now I'm going to consciously do something good with it. Is, do you work with, with clients to do that? And Rabbi, I'm going to ask you the same question in a spiritual sense, but I'm wondering from a psychotherapeutic modality perspective first. Yes. No. And I think you are actually demonstrating how to think in a positive way and how to make, you know, how to make a negative experience into a positive one. And I love how you are, you have this positive attitude and how you are thinking of, you know, behaviors or activities that you could do to, to help yourself feel better and get into, you know, a better place mentally. I think it's actually, you know, it's great that you can do that versus, you know, some people, you know, just like all the negative thinking and all the negative energy that they create in their life just put them in a much more, you know, difficult and negative position. So I think you're actually demonstrating how, you know, the whole idea of like redirecting your thoughts and reframing so that you can feel better. I'm glad to hear that there's some validation of that as such as being Pollyanna. <laughs> Rabbi, do you, quickly before we go to our last break, and we'll take a caller uh, either right before or right after the break, we'll see how the timing works, but Rabbi, do you, uh, when you have a situation with your, um, with people that go to you for counseling and spiritual advice and, and simply there isn't the, the, the will on one side to make, to, to have healing, um, how, how do you guide that person to, to channel things uh, positively or get out of that conundrum? It's a great question. It comes up an awful lot. And, and I can tell you from personal experience that I, outside of Stalin, uh, spiritual leaders, and uh, I include rabbis in that grouping, are uh, amongst the most resent, resented people around. There's, every rabbi will tell you there's someone who hates them. I think there's a, there's a Talmudic dictum like that. You know, any rabbi that doesn't have an enemy isn't worth his salt. So, so we've all got people that blame us for things, and many times it's unjustified, although that's not totally the case. And you've got to think of yourself as like, I don't want to live in a world where people hate me. Mm. It's a, it's a not a pleasant thing to, pleasant thing to be. And there's many a time where you've got to go out of your way and apologize for things you're not guilty of. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest that when you've got someone like your mother, in that case, that, yeah. she really is communicating with you. It's just a different language. You mean she through, thinks through she's right lack, through the lack of communication, through the silent yes. treatment? Yeah, like that's how she learned. She grew up in a house like that, so that's how she learned. And you've got to figure out what she's trying to say to you. Right. And and and, uh, and, and to be fair, and to be fair, yeah. I think I I have the same epigenetics, right? So I do it back to her. We're in a silent yeah. treatment cycle. Yeah. So we're going to let's, and, let's and quickly you know, take, you're... just because he's been very patient. Sorry, Rabbi. I just want to uh, see if we can take this caller in line for before our last break. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Yes, uh, Dove. It's Stan. I must tell this story, and I want the reaction. This is a true story. Absolutely true. I heard it on TV from the person who was there. Must Marino. be true. Here's the story, quickly. One of the toughest and biggest producers in Hollywood is a guy named Harry Cohn, a conservative Jew. He ran Columbia Pictures with a fist. Uh, 
Everybody was scared to death of him, afraid of him. One day, he calls in on a Sunday. He's in the office, Maureen O'Hara. Asks her to come into the office and sit with him for an hour and a half and doesn't say anything to her. She's scared to death. What, what, what does he want? Because everybody knows his reputation. After the hour and a half, he says, as we're talking, my daughter has converted to being a Catholic. And she's marrying another Catholic in church. And I've disinherited her. I don't want to know her. And I will never talk to her. My wife is there and so forth. And uh, I just needed somebody who understood the situation to sit with me and never said this other than that and that's all he did if that isn't estrangement at its most bizarre i don't know what is it's a true story he ran the studio so what's I mean, your question i like the, the story question what's is, your question? what i want to know their reaction to that because he's long dead the woman he had grandchildren he never saw them but this was a guy who ran the studio. Folks, the, the right. two people, what do you think country. of it? Lee Moore, what do you think of that story? Thank it's you, true. Sir. Absolutely true. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Lee Moore, what's your reaction? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I think I will need to hear some more information in order to... Can you share a little bit more? Well, I, I, so Stan's off the air now, but I, 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 I think, I mean, to me... This helps emphasize how important a topic this is. I mean, this is something that is uh, is facing the face everyone. In fact, there was I don't remember. Maybe either of you could help me. There were a couple of great memoirs, even from presidential children. I know one of them was Ronald Reagan's uh, daughter, if I think it was, uh, talking also about uh, estrangement. I mean, this is not something that affects any particular socioeconomic class, any particular religious group. And it's like, this is an endemic problem. And I think the more that we talk about it, estrangement between in, within the family, uh, the more we can, we can heal it. Rabbi, do you have any reaction to that story before we take our last break? Rabbi was floored by the story. He's like, uh, we, we can't hear you. You're probably on mute. Right. Well, hi. Sorry, that's okay. kind of out there. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the question is, what do I think of the story? Is that is that right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's 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 very very typical. We all commun. Everyone thinks they're communicating. We're very poor communicators. We think we're making sense, and it's obvious. And you hear this all the time. Even when you've got people arguing with each other, and there is dialogue. Even with your spouse, with your partner, with um, children, friends, brothers, sisters, everybody, business, you know, communicating what you really believe and what you really feel and what is truth is incredibly difficult. So that's what we're trying to get. That's what we're trying to get to on this show. So just get it out there, even if it's stumbling, even if it's awkward. Talk to your rabbi. Talk to your therapist. Uh, don't live your life uh, this this uh, with this estrangement. You, you know, people. I read these stories and research from the show about how um, many people in, in estranged family dynamics were dying without resolving that um, during the pandemic, and especially in situations where people couldn't visit loved ones in the hospitals. They were di- dying. It's so tragic. Don't let people die with the silent treatment in place. God forbid. We'll be right back to take our last break. E 
Equal Footing with me, Dove Tuzman, is also brought to you by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital offers super quick one or two day financing to watch collectors and watch dealers from anywhere in the world. Unlock the cash value of your watch collection or inventory through Mechanical Art Capital's easy buyback contracts. You can download their new app. Go to your iPhone or Android app store, go, uh, put in Mechanical Art Capital. Three words. And have your watches and, and uh, watch inventory or collections appraised right away, 24 hours or less, free of charge, and then you get an offer for financing. You can also call Mechanical Art Capital at 833-209-0972. That's 833-209-0972. Mechanical Art Capital. Operators are standing by. I've been I wanted to read another listener's comment. We've gotten a lot of text comments and, and questions. So this is a provocative topic, and we only have a few minutes left. We're going to have to do another show on this. Hopefully more healing will come in people's lives. This listener, uh, Richard from Texas, writes, In my case, the problems with my mother happened when I was young, and I was dependent on her. dependent on her. As life turned, I was the one calling the shots. There were still fights, but I would win every time. But I was a jackass. Then later in life, I felt sorry for her, and she wouldn't fight anymore because she realized her own fragility. The whole thing was one big waste and a mismatch. Should I have known what I know today, I would have treated my mother and father very differently. Today, I have the skills that I did not have then. This is what I was trying to say before that last break, and part of the reason I wanted to do this show, and I'm even saying this out to my own mother, to others dealing with this, like, we got to end the still face, end the silent treatment, end the estrangement, end the disowning, love, communicate, yell, express, be frustrated, but don't be silent. Got to get a couple of uh, admin things out of the way, and then we're going to then we're gonna let our, our guests have a very quick last word. Number one is... Look for us now on the, the major podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcast, Podcast Index, Listen Notes, and any day we'll be up on Apple Podcasts. Look for Equal Footing with Dove Tusman. Please like us and spread the word. This is a labor of love. It's not a for-profit affair. We just try to cover the cost. We want to get out this information on, on topics that we think are important and about healing. Also, we have an Instagram account. We need followers who just are open as of now. We just went live on our Instagram, equal.footing. That's equal.footing. Look it up. Limor, last words. Give a 30-second exhortation on what people should do to get help to get out of a bad, the bad cycle of family estrangement. 30 seconds. Yeah, well, I love the story that you just ended up with. I mean, the text from the last person because it really shows the importance of reflection, self-reflection, and compassion, which would lead to more, you know, mm-hmm. not just the awareness, but also people talking about it and being open and, you know, not allowing the shame to affect what they do about it. Yeah, get out of the cycle of shame, talk about it. Rabbi, you got about 15, 20 seconds, little words of wisdom to wrap up here. Yes, so I, I quote uh, one of my rabbis, Rabbi Noah Holowick, and he says like this, if, if I live the life that the people who have, who, who have these issues went through, I would be the same way too. Mm. When you have a resentment mm. against somebody, if you can identify with them and understand where they're coming from, 
you're, it would dissipate a lot of your own personal resentment because yeah. they're victims as well. Yeah, compassion is is an incredible healer, and it 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 breaks down That's right. resentment. Rabbi Stephen Bars, psychotherapist and karma method developer Limor Weinstein, thank you so much for being on Equal Footing. I hope you guys will be on again sometime soon. Thank you. So thank much. you so much. It was great. And I know that it's not easy to be calm When you found something going on But take your time, think a lot I think of